the far-off days when man's first heard a scratchy noise on a cylindrical drum, accompanied by staccato human tones, it has been his aim to add breadth and depth, to give realism and spaciousness, and even where it applies, to convey actual movement. Intro, I start to go, my rhymes will flow slow Get up and dance, cause Kane said so If you were lounging around, it's time to get up Pardon my expression, but I'ma tear shit up I appear right here and scan dear A mere musketeer that would dare to compare I do declare, getting busy is where it's at From what you're saying, you wouldn't get a point for that Cause you're a featherweight, and your rhymes you carry light But I drop bass just like Barry White So how could you think that you pose a threat? You say you're rocking, how many shows you get? All your vocals go local on the MIC Mines go a great distance, like 18 I'm not new to this, I'm true to this, nothing you can do to this Fuck around with Kane and come out black and blue for this So, yo, go for what you know Attempt to debate so I can humiliate, we can go Rhyme for rhyme, word for word, verse for verse Get you a nurse, too late, get you a hearse To take you to your burial ground Because the big daddy can't always throw down Correct, I get respect, I'm out to collect Cash money, cause I get bored <laughs> I move on and seize, I just conquer and stop another rapper with ease. Cause I'm at my apex, another's off below. Nothing but a milliliter. I'm a kilo, second to none, making MCs run, so don't try to step to me. Cause I ain't the one. I believe rappers just like Tylenol, and they know it. So I don't see why you all try to front, perpetrating a stunt when you know that I smoke you up like a blunt. I'm genuine like Gucci, roar like sushi. The stage of rage is what rap did to me to make me wanna create chaos and mayhem. Cold rocker party, I'm still the eight. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Rob the Genius Podcast. This week, we are well into the month of August. Second week of August. Or I guess, well, the first full week of August is finished. However you want to say it, we're in August now. Okay. <laughs> Alright, July came and went very quickly. I mean, it felt like, it, like the whole month felt like two weeks. Which, given the way 2020 is gone, that's probably not a bad thing. So we'll see how August goes. So got a few different topics to kick around this week. Well, more mostly sports heavy, because there's some big things happening in sports. A lot of it not very good. <laughs> yeah, college football has had some just some major bombs dropping all week and uh, Major League Baseball has had some more bad news as far as in infections and all of that and also some better news on the, on the NFL front and the NBA front so we'll get a little bit of all of that uh, some good and surprising news about the XFL get on that too and got a little movie stuff and, as always, whatever else I think of during the week while I am recording the show. <laughs> and that the music you heard leading us in, some of you all are very familiar with Big Daddy Kane. That's who it was. Or that's, uh, that's who it was, and that's who it will be this week. 
Uh, if you're not familiar with Big Daddy Kane, then listen and enjoy. I'll talk a bit about him later. If you're like me and you know exactly who Big Daddy Kane is and you grew up listening to Big Daddy Kane and you have not heard Big Daddy Kane in a while, then this is the time that, uh, you know, get reacquainted or go down memory lane or what have you. Honestly, one of the most fun parts of doing this show is going back through some of the music I grew up with and listening to it again, seeing how well it's aged, seeing how much it is, how much better it is than all the noise people are making now. Get off my lawn right now, because today's music sucks. <laughs> Look, that's how I feel. Okay, I mean, I, I try not to be just openly disrespectful and all of that, and you know, you, you're not going to see me on Twitter running down today's rappers or whatever right I'm not gonna do that but if you ask me how I feel I don't like most of the stuff that's coming out now okay I just, I just don't and some of it's because I'm 46 years old yes well that's probably most of it to be honest but I really do feel like music is getting made now just isn't that good isn't as good I mean yes there are individual artists who are very good at what they do and would you know and all and and like look in rap music yes there are some very there are some excellent rappers right now and it's just that you know kind of my memory bank is kind of full so I don't they just it just doesn't work for me like it like it should all right there's a lot of rappers out here now that to me they're trash. I'm not going to run through all the names here, you know, but whatever. Anyhow, enjoy Big Daddy Kane this week. I, I Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, I loved going back through his catalog. So I hope you all enjoy that. Now before we get rolling into the other topics here, just, uh, well, I'll touch on this school thing here because... This week, a lot of schools open back up, which is crazy to me to be open this damn early. You know, I, again, I, my whole childhood, my whole school years, we went back, you know, last week of August, right? But now, I mean, it's the second, well, it's the first full week of August. And you got a lot of schools going back. I didn't know that that many went back this early. And, you know, even crazier, you know, because we got the coronavirus pandemic still going on, is that so many of these schools are having, like, kids back in, kids back in the building. Now, like, my kids are doing remote this fall. And to see see some pictures of schools crowded... And like, like there's no big, like there's nothing going on. It's just, it's disturbing to me. It really is because we got a highly contagious virus going around here, and some people seem to think. So some people have come to believe that children don't catch it that much, or that if they do catch it, it doesn't hurt them very much, and that 
you know, flies right in the face of the actual evidence. And it completely disregards that children can catch it, not have any symptoms, and pass it on to parents, teachers, etc., who very likely will be affected badly by it. And that's just been completely dismissed. And it's been dismissed by some people because they just want their kids to go back to school. And they want to get back to the old normal and they don't want to accept the new normal. And the new normal is until we have a vaccine, we should not be indoors in large groups or any kind of groups. Okay, whether you're children or, you know, senior citizens, it doesn't matter. Right? I mean, or I should say, you shouldn't be indoors in groups with people who are coming from all different places, right? Um, you just shouldn't. And yet, you know, some of these folks, they want, they, they just had to have kids back in the school. Because, and I'll be honest, this is, you know, me playing psychologist here, but they wanted to reach back to the old normal. They wanted things to get back to normal. And because they can't handle just the psychology of having to just do your entire life differently in 2020 because of this. Because, look, there are fewer things we handle worse than having our reality ripped up and thrown in the trash. And that's what's happened to us here. And some people don't want to accept that. So they're denying the new reality any way they can. They're, you know, they're denying the severity of the effects of COVID-19. They are denying the level of, you know, contagiousness, right? I mean, they're just denying all of these things and they're finding whatever, you know, whoever has a take and whoever can cherry pick the information to make it sound like it's not as dangerous or not as contagious and it's okay for us to just go back to normal and then we can get it and all that you know whoever can give them that story they'll accept it and they run with it and it's doing real damage to our whole country and we're like the worst developed country for dealing with it I mean if you read the actual news most of the world will not let us come in. They, they won't let people from here come in their country. Most of the places now. All right, because that's how bad we've handled this. They don't want us showing up. I mean, okay. I mean, think about that. All right, if you haven't gotten informed with that piece of news, you should go find that out. It's the truth. I'm not lying to you here. I mean, we've handled this so badly that most other countries in the world are not letting people from the United States come in. And yet, we got people here who insist that it's not that contagious, that it's not that bad, that it's being exaggerated, and that we got to stop the lockdowns, we should have never done the lockdowns, and we shouldn't have people wearing masks either, we shouldn't force people to wear masks, we shouldn't do any of that stuff. We should just let freedom ring because it's all a bigger threat than it's been made out. To. It's, I mean, sorry, it's all not 
not as big a threat as it's been made out to be. And yet, we have schools that had to go, that had to put kids in quarantine the, the first day. All right. You know, we've had, there have been young children who have caught COVID-19 and died. All right. That's the reality. Those, you know, that's not made up. So you can keep clinging to your, you know, old normal and, you know, hoping for the best. You can keep doing that. But we're seeing where it gets you. And it's only going to make things worse. You know, sending kids back to school. And we see, look, we see how trying to cling to the old normal, how it, you know, has damn near doomed college football. I mean, I'll get to that later, but, I mean, it's inevitable that the plug is going to get pulled. Uh, we see how it, you know, almost just totally derailed the NFL, and there's still time for that to happen. Right? I mean, we've seen that, right? So clinging to this old normal is not the move, folks. You know, clinging to whatever information we can find that suggests we can just go back to how it was, that's not the move. You're setting yourself up for not just disappointment, but, you know, sickness or even death by doing that. So it's time to wake up. It really is. If you haven't, you know, if you're still hanging on to, you know, things not being as bad as they seem, yeah, let that go. You really do. Because you're not helping anybody. You're not helping yourself. You're not helping the rest of us either. And the rest of the world is laughing at us right now. Well, they're looking down on us, actually. They're not laughing at us. And they're not letting us come in their country either. Just something to think about before we get the ball rolling here. So, um, with that, time for some more Big Dad Kane. And then we will get on to other parts of the show. XFL. Now, just major news out of left field. The uh, XFL was set to be put up for auction. 
and it was probably bought by a group headed up by The Rock and Danny Garcia. Now, Danny Garcia's ex-wife, they are, they've been like business partners, so salute for you guys being able to maintain a good and cordial relationship after not being married anymore, but um, they are the co-front like front people or co-owners of the entire league, so just that's a crazy story, you know, started by Vince McMahon, and it was looking real good last year, I mean, you know, the first time the XFL, the first time they tried it, it was a joke, right? Even though, I mean, you did have a couple of guys went on to get picked up by the NFL. Uh, Tommy Maddox and uh, Rod Smart, uh, Mr. He Hate Me. Right, but then, you know, last year, or not last year, damn. Uh, earlier this year, you know, they started up again. Uh, he, you know, Vince McMahon wanted to give it another try. And they had a good product. This was not like the first time around. You know, I was watching games every week. I was going to go to a game before, you know, COVID-19. And they had a good product. They had some innovation as far as rules. They had a good thing going. The attendance wasn't bad. The, you know, TV ratings were doing okay and all. And then COVID-19 hit, and they had to they had to shut down because I think a pretty hefty part of their revenue projections were off of ticket sales and once COVID-19 happened they didn't have any more ticket sales and they just and also I mean everybody was freaking out and they couldn't do anything they they couldn't play you know and so not only could you have no tickets they they couldn't play which you know meant they weren't they couldn't get the rest of their TV money and they just you know the, the, the books didn't line up right so you know, Vince declared bankruptcy and got out, basically. And it was, what was left was put up for auction and was promptly bought by one of Vince's former (laughs) employees, you know, Dwayne Johnson. (laughs) And, And look, I mean, it's, I mean, it's a wild story. It's also, it's a good story because, I mean, this is another kind of, and look at this, it's progress. You know, I think it's the first time you've had a woman as part of ownership of an entire sports league. I mean, there there have been women who have owned teams, but it's the first time, you know, owning the whole league. So that, I mean, that's a good thing. And now, I hope that they, you know, keep most of the stuff intact. Because, like I said, they they had a good thing going. It was not, you know, some second-rate looking kind of thing like the USFL or the first go-round of the XFL. They had a good thing going. And, you know, the... It was a fun time from how it looked on TV, and I was hoping to go. And 
you know, uh, from what I read, they have kind of pitched themselves as bubble ready, meaning that you know that they'll have they'll have a bubble plan of some kind, so that they can play no matter what, which is a smart thing to do because we're probably not going to be in a space where you can have a full stadium of people in the spring. Um, you know, I hope they keep the rules that they instituted and you know, hope they're able to bring back the players because I mean they had to release everybody uh, you know, when they shut it down earlier so hopefully, you know, the guys who want to come back Hopefully, you know, they can come back and resume. And, you know, some of those guys will get on to bigger and better things, maybe. Because they smartly, you know, mark... That's the thing. They, they position themselves very smartly in that they were not trying to compete with the NFL, but were just like, hey, this is a station for people who were in the NFL and are trying to get back in or who... You know, we're, we're trying to get in before and whatever reason couldn't get in coming out of college. This is another chance for you to prove yourself. They very smartly marketed themselves that way before. So hopefully they'll stick with that. And, you know, The Rock has a bunch of TV shows and he produces. This is, you know, so that, I mean, he has connections there. You know, he has a foothold in TV. So that'll be good for either maintaining or getting new TV deals uh, you know look, so it looks promising it looks very promising and I'll be watching again I hope it succeeds and then that, the real funniest part of this was you know a bunch of people on Twitter were not just me were joking about how essentially this was like a, a plot from the show Ballers that he was on and it's just funny because I kind of gave I gave up on ballers like during the final season because well it they were doing what they were doing seemed a little bit too far-fetched for me I mean because now into the fifth season you know the Rock's character Spencer Strathmore he you know he had owned a TV station and had gotten into ownership of an NFL team and considering where, he, you know, the character had started at the beginning of the show, where he was, like, literally, you know, broke, or almost broke, or had seven bucks, <laughs> you know, um, to go that far was, I mean, I mean, even for just, you know, fictional TV or whatever, I mean, that, that was doing way too much for me, but here we are, <laughs> um, life is an imitating art. And it's just funny. It really is funny. So what that, what that goes to show you is, do not doubt Dwayne Johnson. Okay? Do not. You know, when, when you think he's doing some crazy Looney Tune idea that probably isn't going to work, well, you're probably wrong. And I, you know what, 
and I was wrong to think that the last season of Ballers was too far-fetched. And, you know, I might go back and watch the rest of it now. <laughs> it's on Hulu, right? Uh, so, salute, Dwayne and Danny. Um, Y'all scored a big one, and good for you. And uh, I'm rooting for it, for it to work, just like I was rooting for it to work earlier. And hopefully, you know, God willing, when... We are able to have people inside of stadiums to see sporting events. Hopefully, I will be able to get there and see the DC Defenders because you gotta bring the Defenders back now, okay? Right, if you don't bring back the Defenders, I'm gonna take back all this nice stuff I just said about both of y'all. All right, so assuming that you bring back the Defenders. As soon as, you know, when, when it's safe to have people in the building, I will make every effort to be there. So, thank you for saving the XFL. And look forward to seeing it again. As long as you bring back the Defenders. And uh, look forward to being there. So, salute. Good job. Get back after this. Disused and abused Pump so loud we might blow fuse This is anger, madness Ready to hang up, rapper a singer I'm putting up my middle finger Next up, I believe that's me Big daddy can't get on a mic for the symphony Setting it off, letting it off Beginning, tough till the ending You never been in Move with the smooth rap lord Like a bottle of juice, rhymes are being poured Down your ear, crisp and clear As I prepare to wear tan Smell, then I'm out of here Yourself. Like a game in the arcade, you need a far aid. I'm walking the path that a law made. I'll attend and then begin to send a speech to reach and teach. So just say when, so I can let lyrics blast like a bullet. My mouth is the gun, or suckers I pull it. The trigger, get bigger, my pockets get bigger. Cause when it comes to money, yo, grants my nigga. You got the groove, MCs, breathe, stand still. Nobody moves, it's a sabotage. As I take charge, go large. Cause goddamn, I'm living large like a giant You're nothing but a midget, a small digit You ain't with it, forget it, quit it I reign superior, always taking care of ya No frill rappers, you will evaporate Disintegrate, deflate to your fate As the great will dominate Straight to the state of reigning, gaining So put gaining, that category, period, in the story Alright, and well, we're gonna lead off here with this, uh Major League Baseball, just horribleness. <laughs> That's the only way to put it. Now, look, we had we had the Marlins outbreak a couple weeks ago, and now we have outbreak two. This one with the St. Louis Cardinals. We had 
13 Cardinals employees, seven of whom are players who have tested positive COVID-19. So that is another outbreak. So now we got we got two outbreaks, and you know the rest of their games for the week were canceled or postponed. So now we have another out. We have two outbreaks now. All right, this is not good. And y'all, you know, Rob Manfred, the, the you know the commissioner, said you know a week or so ago that, that he was gonna you know start busting heads if if you know um, people don't act right. Which okay, dude, whatever. Um. You know, I I give it a couple more weeks. Well, okay, you know what? It's going one of two things is going to happen, right? They're gonna they're gonna try to power through this, and if they get another outbreak, then maybe. But well, but you know, it's either real simple. It's either they're gonna power through it, and whatever whatever happens happens, or they're going to get like a super huge, you know, multi-team at one time, you know, breakout, and they're just going to have to be forced to shut it down. Because, I mean, it's a pride thing now, which is, I mean, the same thing with all the other reopenings, right? They all, they turn into pride things, or they have turned into pride things here, and where nobody wants to, you know, back down, where everybody basically wants to look at the coronavirus and say, man, I ain't no punk. Which, I mean, it sounds great and all, but, well, it doesn't matter if you're a punk. I mean, you can be brave as you want. COVID-19 is going to kick your ass. Real simple. Right? Um, but, that's where they are. Because, again, this is not, this is not about, you know, love of the game or whatever. This is about TV money. They need the TV money, so they are going to push and push and push as much as they can to get this thing over the finish line so they can make all their TV money, or at least make the TV money that, you know, that they were, you know, agreed to try and salvage for this year. And I don't, I don't expect them to stop and like I said like I said unless there's just like a massive multi-team at one time outbreak then they're gonna they're gonna push and push and push and you know because they're just gonna say well because we got to but it's not good alright it's not good that this is happening and it's their own fault because they and the players could not agree to some type of bubble so guys are going to the ballpark and they're going home and they're doing whatever it is they were doing, which means if they were out here being reckless, then they're catching it and they're bringing it in the clubhouse. So it happened in Florida. Happened now it's happened with St. Louis. Who knows where it's gonna happen next? I mean, it's. But that's uh, I mean that's the way it is. That's life. Well, not, no, it's not life. I'm, I'm being overly philosophical here. Sorry. No, it's not life. But this is what happens when you don't, you know, assume the worst, which is what the NBA did, right? They 
And also, look, the NBA players and the owners trust each other, or they, to some degree. They trust each other enough to work with each other. All right, and same thing with the NHL. But, you know, the baseball players and the owners hate each other. And just like the football players and the owners aren't all buddy-buddy either. And now, I mean, you need a relationship now to make this thing work. And you need people who trust each other and are willing to work together to make because you you got to have some type of bubble system you cannot try to you know wing it which is what you know baseball has been doing and it's what the nfl has been doing and it's what college football has been doing and i'll get to that later but it's just i mean bad i mean it's real bad But you know, this is this is exposing the you know the not so superior intellect of these very rich men, and that to me that's the lesson you take from this. Okay, is that these men have been yes they have been successful and they have made a lot of money. Now some of them inherited a lot of money, but still, <coughs> they're rich, they are successful, they made all this money. Doesn't mean they're that smart. Okay, and they're proving it. Because the first order of business, once you know, once the decision was made that okay, we're going to try to play, the first and most important order of business was to create, you know, some type of bubble system. And I understand for baseball, you got bigger rosters than basketball. It's not as simple as just throwing them all in one hotel or one resort or whatever, right? It's you have to have multiple locations, but okay. But they, they should have worked it out, and they didn't. And now they're paying for it. And that—that's the problem. And that—that's on them. They're—they're they're paying for it now. Um, but. You know, like the saying goes, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. And that's what Major League Baseball is doing right now. They're winning stupid prizes. And the only question is, will they win the ultimate stupid prize, which is, you know, cancellation of the rest of the season. We'll see. I'm really pissed off right now because this jerk cut in front of me in the drive through line at Chick-fil-A. Yeah, I can see the, the drive through people, you know, had to switch food around. They're going to hand out the window because they're expecting me and not him. So look, like, if you're having a drive through line, don't cut in front of people. All right, that's a, that's a real asshole thing to do. Excuse me. But, you know, no. And now I guess I'm being a bit of a jerk because I'm chewing french fries while I'm talking. <laughs> Alright, anyhow. That's it for baseball. Well, at least for this week on the show. And that may be it for baseball pretty soon. Out there in the real world at the rate they're going. 
And with that, we will move on after this. This up one time as we set it off a little like this. Kick it, kick it, pump it up now. Let me send this out to New York City. Can't forget the posse down in Philly. Also in Detroit, Chicago, Atlanta, GA. Sending this out to Miami, Tampa, Tampa, Virginia, North Carolina, LA and Oakland, and the rest of the world. If you go a little something like this. Let it rain, let it rain. You put the pain with nothing to gain under the wrap of cane. Cause you can't maintain. I drain every grain and leave a same plane to remain in my lane on path the road until the next episode. That the B I G D A double D Y explodes. Just like a bomb in Vietnam. So hit the alarm. I'll be funky like a underarm and allow. Finish your how the microphone should flow. Now, competition bow to me like a Buddha. The teacher, the tutor. They come a dime a dozen, but they can't look cuter. And I ain't about that slouching or crabbing, so save it. Cause that's one thing I ain't having. Because the purpose I serve is to please you. Rhymes will ease you. Like milk and magnesia So what's a pimp without a limp And I crush any whip that would try to attempt to um, Get loose, I put a boost in use To show the comfy cane got big beetle juice Big daddy's I'm just that ruthless To leave you toothless cause you're useless Making up excuses, excuses So never just tap tangle or tamper Or feel a thigh strong when you slap with a pamper Cause I can dig in your face like root canal But I'm a chill, won't even dispute you now Acting wild to sing my style Cause only the life will be moving in privacy Quiet is kept, not like Started you, but I can boast an MC like a barbecue in the death zone. You shouldn't have left home. Step into the man, now get the head blown. I bring terror, horror, there's no tomorrow. Child, you shouldn't even bother to press up and get broken like a lead nail. So let me school you, plus scoop your female. Just like a jiggle over, I'm much bigger though. I'm like a hitman pulling the trigger slow and smooth to the groove. With lyrics that are soothed and improved with every move. That's why you've been enhanced by the mentally divine. So play football and let's go to nine. Shorts, I take none because I ain't the one. In 89, the damage being done. And for you to diss me, be very risky Cause I make this beat as strong as whiskey To break and make my foes dispose and force So y'all can see how me, the cane will just rain Superior, cause I ain't even hearing you Say the yang, cause it's a big daddy thing To my man, Mad Money, Big Daddy, Daddy. Get Big Shot, Big Third, and also I got to say what's up to my man Hawk. Got nice and smooth in the place to be. All right, so the big topic this week is college football because there's a lot going on. Uh, I think I mentioned the Pac-12 players came out with a bunch of demands. Uh, maybe I didn't mention that last week, but anyhow, they have. And now the Big 12, or Big 10, one of those big conferences. Yeah, they Big 10, I believe. But yeah, they came out with their own list of demands. And it's mainly just increased testing. And I think they won like an automatic red shirt for anybody that had to quarantine during the season because of testing positive. Those are the main things. Yeah, and well... The biggest thing here is that the players in all different places have, you know, I don't know if they've, you know, woken up or so much or so much as they've gotten to a place where they can finally act. Or it could just simply be that they got, you know, they finally have the information needed to get out there and, you know, make some concrete 
demands. But I mean, either whichever one it is, I mean, everything has been kind of sped up and amplified by the pandemic because now you're being asked to risk your life, literally, and risk your health, your long-term health. So now, I mean, that just puts a whole nother angle on this whole thing. And, you know, and the whole just kind of exploitation angle that's existed in college sports for forever. Because, look, it's one thing. Well, let me me say this. the, the, The arrangement that's existed forever where you know you play they don't pay you but you get a quote-unquote free education which is debatable and you get an opportunity to you know secure a pro career you know if you're playing like football or basketball or baseball for that matter right and that's that's always been the arrangement that Okay, but you know, the, the, I guess the kind of working or slash living conditions have not been such an immediate danger, right? And the fact that they're asking you to come on campus, you know, potentially with other students who are not going to be adhering to the same type of discipline you are in order to keep from getting infected or what have you you have to come on camp and then you got to come to practice be around each other all up in each other's face for hours and hours and hours of practice and then again at games and you know they're, they're basically putting you in a situation and putting you in a situation where it's damn near impossible to not get infected so when you add that on to the previously existing kind of lopsided deal then it well then that's a deal breaker right I mean because now like you're you're asking them to put themselves into a potential predicament from which they may never may not recover and to put them in that you know put themselves in that situation like immediately you know, I mean, look, if you, if you play football in college and, you know, you end up not getting a real education and no pro career either, like, that's bad. But, you know, you can still recover from that. Okay. You know, through the course of your life. Getting the coronavirus and possibly dying well that's it or you know getting some long term health issues that will plague you for the rest of your life and granted the same thing can happen with a football injury or concussions or what have you but um, you know the schools are trying to get out from under any liability for that also even though they're putting you in the line of fire of a this virus 
and the fact that you're, you get no type of material compensation, I mean, no, that's too much. And then, you know, what's also coming to light is just the flat-out abusive behavior that some of these coaches engage in. I mean, some of them just being racist and or having racists on their staff. I mean, that's just... All of that together is too much. And that's what's, you know, spurring all of this, really. All of this kind of upheaval. Because, well, it's just the rules of the game have changed now. Because, you know, we, you know, it's like this, you know, you've had a, it's like you've been in a bad relationship, business, personal, whatever, but it's one where the parameters were set, you knew what was going on, and you saw a window, or you, well, or, well, but, and you had opportunities to get something out of it, right? But everything was kind of set, and... You'd come to accept it for what it is and to get what you can out of it. And now just a whole bunch of extra stuff has been added on unexpectedly. So now you're looking at it like, okay, it was a crappy relationship, but it had its bright spots and I, you know, and at least I knew what to expect. But now I got this crappy relationship and there's a whole bunch of other stuff that now I don't know what to expect. And now, you know, this person on the other side doesn't want to make it, you know, doesn't want to do anything to account for whatever the, the new pile of crap that was just unexpectedly dumped on this is. They don't want to do anything to account for it. And now... The risk I'm taking by staying in it, in it is just way more than I signed up for. So, I mean, you have no choice, but you, you got to come and demand change. And, you know, you got to demand your changes. You got to... And... The one thing you have that you can hold up as a bargaining chip, the one thing you have, the one piece of leverage you have is, you know, you playing. Because, you know, the schools, the coaches, you know, the college presidents, the conferences, like all of these folks... You know, they're trying to, they're putting you in this position because they need to make this money really bad. And their, their whole kind of house of cards or sand castle or whatever you want to call it is just, is all hinging on you showing up and playing. So the one thing you have that you can hold over their head is showing up and playing. And now is the time to do that. And that's what they're doing. 
you know, the demands are not identical in each group of players, but the one, you know, the big similarities are basically that they want just a better system of protecting them from being infected, and they want some, you know, better treatment from the system, right, they want you know, to not have to deal with, you know, racist treatment from coaches. They want some type of, you know, economic justice, right? They want some type of investment beyond lip service towards, you know, bettering, you know, racial equality. And while this is going on, you know, one one place after another is, like, they're canceling seasons, right? Uh, University of Connecticut canceled his football season and the Division 3 has now canceled their fall championships. Right? I mean, people are just people are slowly coming to realizations you know, one school at a time, one conference at a time, or one division at a time that this is not workable. Now, the big conferences are trying to maintain. The Big Ten just announced their schedule. And, you know, they and the Pac-12 already said they're going conference only, I think. And uh, so they're trying. They're trying to keep the facade up. They're trying to keep the ship afloat. Because, I mean, the, well, the games are supposed to start first week of September, which is less than a month from now. So they're doing, you know, they're trying. They are trying to keep things afloat and they are trying to, you know, to make this thing happen. But finally, the players have gotten wise enough to what's going on. And, you know, they look and they were basically shaken into that, you know, wising up from the, because of the coronavirus. Because, I mean, this thing is scary. And like I said, it's a big unknown. You know, they, they knew all the other stuff. You know, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly of the, you know, arrangement of being a college athlete. They, you know, they knew about all of that. But this adds something else to it that makes putting up with the bad and the ugly not worth it. So they're trying to get the bad and the ugly to be made less bad and less ugly. Which is exactly what they should do. And we should be you know, applauding them and supporting them. And not, you know, getting mad because we won't have a football this fall. I mean, no football this fall. And having it, you know, in the spring or just next fall is better than trying to have it this fall. Having to stop it. You know, and having you know, a quarter or a half of, you know, college football players across the country infected. And with that large of a volume, you're bound to get some bad cases and you're bound to get some people dying. So the kids are trying to save everybody from themselves. And that should be applauded. And the universities... What they should have done 
They should have taken this thing seriously from day one. They should have come up with some type of bubble system. You know, maybe you house the kids off campus. Because, you know, putting them on campus is bad. So you find a place off campus to house them. You have, you get your testing going. And that's it. Right? You know, And, you know, figure out a travel arrangement so that, that so that you don't have to stop over in towns on your way to the city to play. Right? I mean, it's, it's it, it could have been done. But the only problem is to do that, you have to essentially acknowledge that big-time college sports is a business. That these kids are not just college students who happen to play. That for all intents and purposes, these kids are money makers for your university. And to admit that means that you have to, well, that you should treat them like employees and not students. Now, in case you don't know, the term student athlete was not so just some clever play on words. It was a legal distinction that they came up with a long time ago. So they would not have to give players workman's comp if they got injured. So the whole idea of a student athlete is a farce to begin with. Okay? These are kids who work and don't get paid. And in between practice, meetings, and the games themselves, that's a full-time job kind of commitment. I mean, kids now, during the summer, who have been on campus doing quote-unquote voluntary workouts. Okay? And then you have spring practice. Um, so just, it, it's, it's a full-time job and you can get injured and now you can catch coronavirus. So which means they should get paid, but you know, they are so wed, the NCAA is so wed to the lie of calling them student athletes so they don't have to pay them. They're so wed to the lie of the, the kind of romantic lie of, you know, dear old alma mater, yay, school pride, yay. I mean, they're just, they're wed to that because that's where, I mean, look, what, I mean, that's where a lot of the money comes from off of that kind of romantic attachment that people have to the local university. And to just come out and say, well, to treat the players like employees and you know give them you know salaries or whatever, basically just that punctures the bubble because a lot of people they want to live the lie, and it's why some people, a lot of these folks they prefer college basketball to pro basketball. Where if you just watch them side by side in a vacuum, now especially for probably the past ten years or so, the pro game is. Watching pro basketball is far superior. It is a far superior product to college basketball. College basketball looks just raggedy now compared to the NBA as far as the on-court games. And it's been that way for a good 10 years now. So what sells college basketball is, you know, that romanticism. And it goes away if you officially, you know, pay the players and treat it like a business. Now you can pay them under the table 
because that you know that adds a little kind of fun you know outlaw element to it because you can laugh and joke about it you know like oh UNLV yeah they were you know they were paying guys all the time UCLA Sam Gilbert you know you know uh, right I mean <laughs> you know Calipari must be paying those guys right I mean oh you know Coach K paying them too he just he just got away with it. Right, I mean, that's kind of part of their romanticism, the joking around about that stuff, right? But, it, I mean, if you put it all above the table, pay them straight up and, you know, and everything, then that's gone. And now they're just another group of professionals. And for some people, professional athletes, it's, it's, no, it's no fun because they make business decisions. All right, and... If you admit the truth about college sports and start treating the players accordingly, the players will start making business decisions. And that takes all the fun out of it for a lot of people. Because God forbid one of these players in college decides that, you know, forget playing for the hometown team. The guys on the other side of the country offered me a better deal, so I'm going to take it, right? And they do that now, just they don't, but they can't talk about it because of the NCAA rules. But just put it out there, completely open, completely naked. We just take out the fun, take a lot of fun out of this for a lot of people. And to which I say, well, too bad. I mean, would you want to be treated like that? I mean, would you want to be forced essentially to go to work in some of the worst possible conditions to get infected and not even get paid for it? I doubt it. So you shouldn't expect that out of them, that out of them either. And if you do, then you need to look in the mirror and wake up because you're not doing right by those kids. Period. End the story. And be back in a minute. sit here laid back to this nice mellow beat, you know, and drop some smooth lyrics, cause it's 88, time to set it straight, you know what I'm saying, and ain't no half-stepping, word, I'm ready, rappers stepping to me, they wanna get some, but I'm the cane, so yo, you know the outcome, another victory, they can't get with me, so pick a PC date cause you are history, I'm the authentic poet to get lyrical, for you to beat me, it's gonna take a miracle, and stepping to me, Yo, that's a wrong move. So what you on, Hobbs? Dope a dog, dope a dog. Competition, I just devour. Like a pit bull against a chihuahua. Cause when it comes to being dope, hot damn, I got it good. Now let me tell you who I am. The B-I-G-D-A-W-D-Y-K-A-N-E. Dramatic, Asiatic, not like many. I'm different. So don't compare me to another. Cause they can't hang. Word to the mother. At least not get the principle in this pedigree. So when I roll on your rappers, you better be ready. Die because you're petty. You're just a butter knife. I'm a machete. This ain't by Genshu. Wait until when you try to front so I can chop into your body. Just because you try to be basing. Friday the 13th, I'ma play Jason. No type of joke, yeah, game, puzzle, or riddle. The name is Big Daddy. Yes, big, not little, so define it. Here's your walking papers. Sign it and take a walk as the cane start to talk. Cause
Now we're back. And do a little movie stuff here. Because, well, a little bit of news this week. Um, Disney has announced that Mulan is going to be put on Disney Plus for $30. And what that means is that, well, you got to already be subscribing to Disney Plus. And you know, if you're already a subscriber, then for an extra $30, you get Mulan. Now, I mean, um, you know, a lot of the initial reaction I saw on Twitter was like, $30? Are they crazy? But, I mean, when you sit down and think about it, considering that it's, you know, was going to be heavily marketed towards kids, adolescents, etc., then you're talking right, one parent and one kid to go see it at the theater. You're talking... 25 for tickets and maybe another 15 20 for food so that's 45 dollars um if it's a family of four then you got you know two adult tickets 15 a piece it's 30 bucks two kids 10 bucks a piece and that's another 20 so that's 50 bucks already just on tickets and maybe another 50 on food that's a hundred dollars. So yeah, um, that's a win, right? I know like thirty sounds ridiculous when you compare it to, you know, other on-demand movie prices, because um, you know, I mean, on-demand rentals are five bucks, maybe less depending on what it is, and on-demand like purchases are fifteen twenty dollars. So yes, it's more than that, but it's less than what you would pay at the theater and that's I mean unless you or your children really very badly wanted the theater experience then um this is this is a win and it's the future because here's the thing all right there are a few movies that, yes, I wanted to see in the theater and get the theater experience. Those are mostly like superhero movies and Star Wars and Fast and Furious kind of, you know, those those kind of big special effects, big sound, big explosions, you know. Yes, absolutely wanted to see those in the movie theater. But there's a whole lot of other stuff, you know. Um... Comedies, mystery movies, movies that, um, you know, maybe got action in them, but not all the special effects, right? Um, well, I don't really go see dramas, but I know some of y'all do. All right, I mean, all that stuff, you know, you're not getting really anything enhanced by going to, say, at the movie theater. So, yeah, there are people who, gonna, who will pay the 30 bucks. To see it at home. And also, um, even some of the big blockbuster movies, like if the ones where you might have been on the fence about going to see at the theater, if they're available at home, then you'll pay the 30 bucks to watch it there. Like, uh, you want some examples, like with the, you know, 
Marvel MCU movies that are in the pipeline here. Um, I wanted to see, I, w- I was going to go see Black Widow at the theater. But to be honest, I wasn't really all that enthusiastic about the Eternals or Sang-Chi. And I mean, I probably wasn't going to go see those at the movie theater because I just wasn't that pressed. I mean, I would have had to hear some really great word of mouth. But even then, I just wasn't really, you know, I'd been saying I'm not really just not interested in those. And by not interested, what that really meant was not interested in, you know, going to a movie theater and watching it there. I was going to watch them at home when they were available to watch at home. <laughs> but, you know, you make those available at home off the top. Would I pay 30 to watch them at home? Well, sure. Because, again, 30 to watch at home is no different than, you know, 15 for ticket, 15 for food, you know, to go see at the theater. It's the same price. Except, you know, just the whole inconvenience of leaving your house and going to the theater and, you know, getting cramped in seats on, you know, opening weekend um, and all of that. So basically, I was not going to inconvenience myself in any way to see those two movies. But if it's convenient, sure. And look, that's the future. I mean, because look, I mean, we're still, hey, as long as we in pandemic times, people like me not going to a movie theater. And a whole, you know, and that's a whole lot of people. Now you'll have some some dummies that'll go. But I doubt they're I mean, but for the most part, we ain't going. And even, you know, by the time we get out of you know, by the time we get a vaccine and all that stuff, man, um, first of all, I don't know how the theater business is going to even be at that point, but if it happens soon, you know, and, and it's legit, then, man, by that time, you know, look, our Movie going habits, you know, purchasing habits, whatever, may have just changed. And, um, you know, so it's the future. It just is. Now, that's not good for movie theaters. Now, I do think it'll be good for studios because, again, movies that would have tanked or not just not done very well at the box office, I think will get more money video on demand because again it you take away the inconvenience of going to the movie theater and there are a lot more movies that people will watch I mean and that could be very good for you know those mid-sized mid-budget movies which we hear about every year are getting you know squeezed out and crushed by the blockbusters I mean and those, it'll be also be good for some of those, those blockbuster movies or movies that were supposed to be blockbusters but 
underperformed, like the, the Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, or Shazam, right? Um, it'll be good for those. Because again, what, I mean, what hurt, one thing that hurt those movies box office was not so much, you know, not people not wanting to see the movie, but do I, you know, is this movie worth the trip to the movie theater? And there, I mean, I, I'm willing to bet there are a lot of people who felt that, you know, insert movie name here was not worth the inconvenience of the movie theater, you know, and 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 all, but who would have would have watched it opening weekend if they could watch it at home? And I think some of those movies will make more because of this. Now, you know, the real. You know, movies that were supposed to make like, you know, billion dollars, like, you know, the Avengers kind of stuff. Um, I don't know how they're going to be affected. Because on the one hand, I, I mean, you needed, you needed to gross a billion dollars at the theater so that the studio's cut of the billion dollars was profitable versus the production budget and our marketing budget now you know, without um, you know without having to do the theater thing like I said I don't know how the studio split is going to be handled when you're doing video on demand um, I don't know you know and um yeah, I don't know how the marketing budget would change. So, I don't know. They, I mean, they might be affected a little bit adversely, right? Because the studios just may not be getting the cut out of the $30 video on demand price that they might get out of the $15 ticket price. So who knows, right? Just depends on how that money is split. But I think it's going to help a lot of, you know, medium and lower level movies. And it's going to help movies that were bound to disappoint, you know, at the box office because people just weren't trying to do the inconvenience of the theater to see them, even though they were curious. Now it'll hurt the DVD. Now, yeah, but now the DVD market may all but be done because if you can buy video on demand at $30, then you don't need DVDs. Um, although, I mean, if you change your cable service or whatever, then um, you'll lose all your, whatever you bought on demand, you'll, you'll lose, right? Or if you're, if you, you know, I mean, I, what, you know, who knows, right? But, it's going to help some people. It's going to hurt some people. I think it's the wave of the near future, at least, because of the pandemic, regardless of how the vaccine stuff goes. And just, you know, get ready. Um, now, I wasn't going to go see Mulan anyway. But, look, they put Black and Widow up there for $30. I'm, I'm in. They put, you know... Again, they put 
you know, Sang Chi or the Eternals up there on thirty dollars, I'll do it. Even though, and I was not going to go to the theater for that. You know, and um, you know, Fast and Furious, yeah. You know, Top Gun, the Top Gun sequel, yes. Whatever comes next for Star Wars, yes, all of that stuff, I will buy. I will do thirty dollars on demand. And then, you know, if if I decide if at the time of release I decide okay maybe not, then I'll do what I do now and just wait. You know, wait for it to be available at a cheaper price. You know, either on demand or on you know whatever. So ultimately, look, this this is this is where we're going, and movie theaters are going to have to adapt, and you know. It's adapt or perish time for movie theaters. And I think what's going to happen is, well, I think if I was thinking about opening a movie theater, well, I wouldn't. Now, the only, the only thing I would do now is drive through, you know, buy some land somewhere, set it up for drive-in. And look, if you can get, you know, if you, if you can run the audio through people's car stereos, through Wi-Fi or whatever you're set, you're all good. So, that's the wave. It's coming. You know, you can get in front of it or you can get, you can, you know, get taken under by it. Gonna be interesting to see though. Be right back after this. Take the cake, but you can't get a crumb from the poetic, authentic, superior, ultimate, and all that good shit. I'm the original Asiatic, acrobatic, there you have it, I get dramatic, creating drama when I'm on the scene, and I pack a men mean, like Bruce Springsteen, I provide a style that's mild, and meanwhile, put on trial of rap, file to exile, make you tumble and stumble, and a rumble just crumble, and I'm still calm and humble, you need another helping hand to swing on, I stand alone, but still you gotta bring on your Batman and Robin, Cagney and Lacey, Starsky and Hutch, but they still can't face me. And if I may make this one thing here clear, that's for you not to come near. Period. For I ain't bugging or delirious. My swift tongue's like a sword, that's how the bear it is. And I can slice and dice a bitch and price MC. That thought he was nice and to minute rice. Single handed, I ain't with that band stuff. Cause see a scratch a record like flakes of dandruff. And the mic I ravaged. Not like a savage, but in my own way of doing damage. As I designed a genuine line. Now who flat top rules in 89? Warm it up, funny have serious story for you here uh a wrestling related thing but it touches other stuff too so uh aew was like kind of the basically the number two wrestling company right now they came up with this idea of kind of a safe community a community for female fans you know the I guess commune over the internet and talk and, you know, not be hindered by, you know, creepy dudes and gatekeeping dudes and abusive dudes, which unfortunately happens way too much. And 
it, it seemed like a good idea. Well, I mean, it actually is not a bad idea, to be honest. But what's, what makes it funny is that they, you know, they, they're charging 50 bucks a month. No, not a month, sorry. 50 bucks a year to be part of it. And they got roasted for it. Uh, because, well, to do it, like, now, well, we're probably at the kind of peak of people not being able to, not you know, not having extra money for, quote-unquote, extraneous things. And also because, you know, they're kind of doing this thing for female fans, and, like, they don't do a whole lot with their women wrestlers on TV. <laughs> And that's been kind of a point of contention for people. So because of those things, they've been getting, like, roasted for it all day. And it, it's kind of funny to me. Because if you're don't, if you not a wrestling fan and you don't follow this, well, the, the people who run AEW have, in the past, been kind of self-righteous and kind of, you know, we're the more socially conscious wrestling company that kind of thing and to their credit they have done some things that definitely do live up to that mantra but <laughs> there are a lot of times they don't or a lot of, there are a lot of times where you know the, the the curtain kind of gets pulled down a little bit and they're revealed to be just you know just another carny wrestling company and that, look, I don't mean Carney is an insult either, right? But, you know, calling someone a Carney in, like, 2020 is basically just accusing them of not being as easily, you know, or not, of not being like, you know, Apple or somebody who is, is pulling this, wool, you know, pulling the same type of scams on their customers, except that they have this reputation of being this fine, upstanding company, so you don't see it that way, right? Basically, calling somebody a carny in 2020 is basically saying that they're a business and they don't have the, you know, the regular folk fooled about what they are. <clears throat> so what happens sometimes with AEW is you know, they'll make some decision or do something that kind of reminds wrestling fans that they are every bit as carny as every other wrestling company is. And they've been getting roasted for it today. Yeah, I just find I find it funny. Because <clears throat> at the end of the day, look, none of these corporations are righteous. Okay, whether they're wrestling companies or, you know cell phone companies or record companies or movie studios or you know publishing houses or restaurants or whatever right none of these companies are righteous okay they're all here to get you to give them your money all right and they in return for your money they offer you some product or some service okay so when any one of them when they when they try to do the whole holier and thou than thou thing i kind of laugh and especially when you know something happens that reveals that they're not now in this case you know look a safe forum for 
female women fans. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good, it, that itself was not a bad idea. It's just the charging $50 is really funny. And, you know, doing some, doing a, a woman-friendly gesture when, like, <laughs> the degree to which you present some of your, you know, women performers on TV is not very high. <laughs> it's just funny. I mean, that being said, look, look wrestling fandom is quite often terrible for women just and <clears throat> you know comic book fandom which I'm also a part of is also terrible for women and girls okay and it, they're both terrible for the same reasons you got gatekeepers you got creepy dudes who are you know trying to mack on women but you know because they happen to be in the same fandom as you um, you got, you know, abusive guys um, who just act any any kind of way towards girls and women on, you know, the internet or whatever. Um, right, I mean, just, you have all that going on. <laughs> and a lot of times it's not safe for women to be at shows. because of the presence of those guys it's not you know like in a lot of instances just for women on social media or chat rooms or whatever it's not particularly great because you have just jerks of all kinds mostly dudes who are just mean and abusive towards women or sexist and all that um, so yes having a space is necessary but what's more necessary than anything else is the wrestling companies from the WWE to AEW on down to local indie wrestling they need to tell these guys to basically go jump in a lake and to go you know F themselves right and they need to be willing to lose those guys business <clears throat> and that's where the problem comes in because they're afraid that if you know if they tell those, if they're afraid that they tell those, the bad guys to go jump in a lake that you know they may do that and take their money with them and that that money will not be replaced by you know women or you know uh, racial minorities or LGBT folks and that right there's a fear that there that you would not get enough new money from those groups to make up for the loss of whatever you'd be losing from just the, the bad guys. Be they racist, sexist, homophobes, or abusers, you know, gatekeepers, etc. So all of these companies, wrestling companies, comic book companies in particular. Uh, gaming companies, right? They just kind of tolerate it, and they make little statements. We don't, you know, we are an inclusive community, right? And oh, meanwhile, they don't kick out the worst individuals, and then of course that leads to some of the worst 
some of those worst guys, you know, having jobs in the business, you know, as wrestlers, as comic book writers, as video game developers, right? I mean, there are a lot of these, these creepy, abusive type of dudes work in the business, and they go kind of hand in hand with the worst guys who are fans, right? They, they kind of, they go together and they cover for each other and all of that. And, and um, what really needs to happen is that they all need to be rooted out, right? I mean, if you own a wrestling company and you were trying to reach some type, any type of broader audience, then you need to get the creeps out of there. Uh, if you own a comic book company and you're trying to reach the broader audience, you need to get the creeps out, both in the, the people who work in the business and customers or fans. <clears throat> because the risk you're taking is that, you know, that the broader audience that you could attract may one day move on. And then you'll be left with the creepy dudes. And then, not only that, but they'll be so entrenched that no one else will want to come in. And that's putting a real limit on your income. But y'all got to have some courage. And y'all got to throw these dudes out and not let them back in. And that's, you know, part of what the whole speaking out thing is supposed to be about. And that's kind of having mixed results. I mean, they've gotten a bunch of guys fired. But, you know, a lot of these guys are trying to work. They're already, you know... They already got their re-entry strategy working. And, well, not working as it's, it's succeeding, but they already, they're already putting it into play, trying to get back in. So it's like an ongoing effort. It takes just eternal diligence or vigilance or whatever it is. But we got to get these guys out of here. And, you know... Charging fifty dollars, charging fifty bucks for a safe forum <laughs> ain't really going to do it, right? It's just going to get you laughed at a little bit, and which, which is what I'm doing now. So look, hey, um, but no, I mean honestly, it's not a horrible idea. It's just this wasn't the time for that. What needs to happen now, again, if you're across entertainment, is you know, hard line has to be drawn against these creepy gatekeeping assholes who are mostly guys, and they need to be fa- they need to be made to feel unwelcome, and then maybe they'll get out. That'd be great. Uh, that's what I'd like. I mean, I'd much rather share my space as a fan with people who are not creepy gatekeeping asshole dudes I mean I don't know about you that's how I feel so hopefully this kind of funny thing will lead to something more concrete and not just for AEW but for other wrestling companies as well and across entertainment hopefully but we gotta keep fighting the fight doesn't end the work doesn't end so that's all there is to it but, uh, well, the segment is ending now, though. <laughs> so, be right back after uh, a little music here. Party people in the place. Embrace the-
space as I commence to pick up the pace and make it motivate and accelerate. Cause like Tony the Tiger, I'm great. Always seem to come off hard for you somehow. I mean, me being whack, oh come, come now. That's quite ridiculous. So just admit you was thrilled. Cause on your face, it is suspicious. Not that you're on this, but my performance is rather exquisite. So what is it for supremacy? That's the perfect definition. For rappers keep wishing to be in my position. No good and damn well, they ain't no competition. I gotta give it to you, kid, that's ambition. For you to perpetrate the role of me, the big daddy, the big father. Nah, don't even bother. Cause that would mean you would have to teach each and every one idiotic son. Trying to make it, you can't fake it. The rhymes I recite are fully dressed and yours are butt naked. Your speech is weak, while mine stands strong. So, oh hell, the man is here to live long. For a solo album in eighty-seven or eighty-eight, yeah. And look, he's one of those artists that just jumped out at you from the beginning, right? I mean, you know, he was one of the earlier ones that had like a full like you know, dancing act going on. He had, you know, two dancers, and he did have a whole routine they would do on stage and all that. And, I mean, it was just, it was, you know, entertaining as hell. And, it, and, you know, it wasn't like MC Hammer kind of deal where, you know, Hammer was clearly a dancing act who rapped a little bit. And, look, I mean, Hammer gets way too much crap, you know, for what he is and what he was. So, you know, Big Daddy Kane, well, like I said, they didn't, you know, he and his dancers, they didn't do the whole hammer routine. But, you know, they did more of that than most rappers. And, but you could, you know, he was just so great on the mic that you couldn't dare question his ability. You know, and then he went on for about 10 years. Yeah. 
And then we did about seven albums. And then that was it. And he was like 30 years old when it, when it ended. Or when he put out his last album. He still, like, he dropped in on songs here and there. And done a verse or whatever, but... His last album was in 1998. He was 30 years old. So, again, we have another rapper who was a huge deal during the 80s and 90s. And it comes crashing to a halt very at a very young age. And, look, maybe he didn't... You know, I don't know his you know, full background behind all of that. Maybe he just decided after seven albums he was done making albums. And also, I do know that, you know, that's around the time he got to that seventh album. I mean, to be, I mean, to be totally honest, you know, he had kind of passed his peak as far as music quality. Doesn't mean he couldn't have come back with, you know, better stuff after that. But yeah, by that, I mean, by that point, honestly, we all had kind of moved on as fans. But his first two or three albums were just absolutely great. And that's what I'm pulling from, from you know, the music here, to be honest, you know, just to let you know. But he's definitely a guy who, even if his albums were done, could have had a bigger career as far as touring and whatnot. I mean, we're talking, you know, 22 years since his last album, and you know, you don't have to, you know, keep putting out new albums all this time, but he, I mean, you know, the, you know, the, the touring market for somebody like him should have been better, okay? Um, <clears throat> and, you know, again, you know, artists like him should be talked about even after they're done making new stuff, right? I mean, you know, you want to compare, like, you know, The Who, you know, the British rock band, for those of y'all who don't know. All right, they did their quote-unquote last album, like, in 1982. And yet, no one stopped talking about them. You know, they, they put out a, another album, like, over 20 years later, it was like 2006 or 2008 or something, right? I mean, it might have been later than that, but you know, they went well over 20 years between albums. And between that time, no one stopped talking about them. No one stopped playing their music. Um, I think they came back and did a couple of big tours. I mean, so they were never forgotten. You know, even though they went away for a long time as far as making music, and there's no reason why we don't do that with Big Daddy Kane or MC Light or you know, any of the other you know, rappers I've highlighted here. And, you know, there's no reason why, you know, when people find out Public Enemy has still been touring and whatnot, that they act, you know, shocked and surprised. 
right? I mean, all these artists should be highlighted more, should have been highlighted more over the past 20 years. And that doesn't mean that you, you know, shove new people off the stage, no. But, you know, other, every other genre of music, or at least, you know, the ones that get, like, you know, played on the radio and such, they, they don't stop talking about people who were big in the 80s or 90s. Or before that even, right? I mean, like, you know, so there's no reason why we can't do that with rappers. And, yeah, you know, I've mentioned this before, you know, we got the Rock the Bell radio now, and that's a good start you know, as far as, you know, playing stuff from 80s and 90s and whatnot. But there's, there's no reason why we shouldn't just not be not talking about people. Right anymore? Because I mean, that's how these other forms of music, you know, they just have a respect for not even elders, for people who were just there last week, as opposed to people who are there now. Right? I mean, that's when we're talking about being big in the '90s versus today. Just from you know, from a time span standpoint, yeah, I man, it's like not that far. Okay, I mean, you know, look, I grew up during the '80s, and I heard plenty of music that was recorded during the '60s. There's no reason why people, kids growing up now, shouldn't get to hear music that was during the 90s or 2000s, right? I mean, come on. So if you're interested in Big Daddy Kane, hope you are after hearing some of it here. Um, I'd say, you know, mainly stick to his first three albums. And you know, a couple of songs I played here were stuff he did with, uh, well, one was uh, Symphony, is a song he did you know, as kind of like a reunion of the Juice Crew, it was him and like Master Ace and Cool G Rap, and you know. And another one I played was uh, off of uh, Don't Curse. That was a song from Heavy D and the Boys that featured a bunch of their, you know, rap contemporaries. He was on there. P Rock and Seal Smooth was on there. Uh, Grand Pooba, Q Tip. They were all in that together. Um, that was, you know, mid '90s, and you know that's more stuff worth going back and listening to. So I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you'll go back and you know sample some more Big Daddy Kane for yourself, or resample it if you're, you know, already familiar with them. And with that. Uh, we'll move along. Almost done here for this week. I'm gonna give it to you. Well, excuse me. Take a few minutes to mellow out.
dedicate is on the mic and I'ma tell about a minimum limp of lines of strength and power to listen to the man of the hour flow and go to a slow tempo and you know sing ho swing low then yo the show will go on as I perform transforming on stage like a Decepticon but I'm not animated like a cartoon I'm for real shooting lyrics like a harpoon across the crowd the listeners and spectators so let's groove with the smooth operator I'm so smooth. Um, all right, that's it for this week. Uh, I was gonna get to some more things, but this is going on long enough for one. And you know, Friday morning, as I'm finishing recording this, I got a little distracted by the uh video from Cardi B and Megan the Stallion. <laughs> And look, as much as I have said, I don't, you know, really mess with current rap music. <laughs> um, I was alerted to the presence of that video when I made an exception. And, uh, oh boy. <laughs> That'll wake you up on a Friday morning, let me tell you. <laughs> but anyhow... <laughs> Um, um, yeah, <laughs> okay, all right, get together, get together, Robert, <laughs> so that's it for, that's it for this week, <laughs> um, yeah, I got a couple of guest appearances coming up on a couple of other shows, uh, I will let you know next week about those. Uh, they'll probably have happened by the time next week's show is finished. So I'll fill you in about those there. <laughs> um, and uh, next week, I will talk a little bit about this uh, Transformers miniseries that came out recently. I wrote a review about it on my uh, website, robsagenius.com. Feel free to go there and read it. And I'll talk about it here next week. Uh, and I'll probably, well, I'm going to be on a different show talking about it. And I'll let you know where you can find that also. And beyond that, um, you know, you know, hopes and prayers with everyone who's you know, sending their kids back to school amidst all of this um, it's not the best conditions obviously so you know I'm not I don't wish infection on anybody so to those children who are being sent back inside you know my hopes and prayers are that it doesn't get bad and that it doesn't spread any further you know miracles gonna happen uh, so this is a good time to hope for one as for everyone else as always stay home as much as you can stay as safe as you can protect yourself and your family and your friends and all and take care of yourself 
take care of each other. God bless you guys. Love y'all. Talk to you next week. And uh, Kane will take us out. Everybody in the house say, huh?